Welcome to Talking Late Night, where we spotlight top comedians and their late night influences. Here's your host, Max Cantor. Hey everybody and welcome to Talking Late Night. I'm your host Max Cantor and today I'm very excited because I am broadcasting from the Village Theater uh, right in front of these aquariums. They're, they're TVs. They're very nice. I like them. You, did you decorate? Did you decorate? Uh, no, it, th- it was like this. Oh, it was like this when you got here? <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll say you did a good job. Sure, you, thanks. You did a good job. And I'm excited to talk to my guest today. You just heard him speaking a little bit, agreeing with what I was saying, my my nonsense introduction. Uh, But the person I have today has done improv everywhere. He's done it at I.O. He's done it at Second City. He's taught all over the world, all over the United States. And now today he's here in Atlanta. He is the artistic director of the Village Theater. So I'm excited to talk to him, get to know him. Please welcome to the show. Oh, no. Wow. Ryan Archibald. Welcome to the show, Ryan Archibald. God, that was too much. So much tension. You know, you, you Max, know. that was the best. <laughs> I'll tell you, I don't know why, I don't know why, but I was about to say your name. Uh-huh. And the name of another guest I had, David Perdue, who's yeah. a stand-up in Atlanta, sure. came into my mind, and I was looking at you <laughs> and thinking, he's not David Perdue. And then I was like, what is this man's name? Yeah, and I, for a second, was like, oh, are you having a stroke? Or, <laughs> or yeah. you need help, Max? Because then I didn't want to like say my name for you because <laughs> right. then I was like, oh, you got it. Right. Or we'll just stop and start over. But, right. Like, so for a second, it. the CPR skills learned at the Y. You were yeah. like, oh, yeah. I was look. I was really checking in. I was like fast. It was face, arm, <laughs> speech, and you know, I was gonna. I was really about to make a phone call. Sure <laughs> right. Okay. You yeah. Well, you know what? I appreciate it. this. Is our first time meeting. We've talked maybe twenty minutes so sure. far, and you were already ready to save my life. Oh, I was there for you, and man. I appreciate that. <laughs> of course. That that means a lot. Yeah. Well, we d- really definitely don't want any, anybody dying. In the lobby of ET, but especially someone as kind as you. So, well, you know. thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. That yeah. Would, yeah, that would ruin this show. It'd be a fast one. <laughs> It'd be done. I'll tell you, this would be the fastest episode I've It might not had. even air. <laughs> I would be responsible for having to get this out That's there. That's true. That's true. You would take this recording years later. <laughs> years they later, would find be, like, it. be like, oh, here was my. Uh, oh, yeah. Max died. <laughs> the recording of Max having a stroke and dying. That's pretty great. Uh, well, yes, I'm here with Ryan Archibald. Yeah, there you go. go. There, see, I, I flows off the tongue. Come on. It's just, it, it just, it's like a waterfall. Yeah, it comes sure. right out. Oh, well, thanks for being on my show, Ryan. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for not being upset with me that I momentarily forgot your not name at all. It was, um, it was quite charming. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Now I'll never forget it. Yeah, I hope I not. I, or you, or it'll be a bit, and you'll ever forget. It every single time. Honestly, yeah. every yeah. time I show up, I'm like, right, right, Well, yeah, thank you, like I said, for sitting down with me. And to jump right into it, growing up, what late night television influenced you and your comedy? Oh, so much. I'm I'm a night owl. My mom's also a night owl, and she loves late night comedy. So we always had Carson on in the house, and. And Letterman on in the house when I was oh. growing up, so that was awesome. And then when I was in high school, I watched a ton of Conan. Um, so this would have been in the early '90s, uh, and yeah, I was lucky enough to have like a little tiny black and white TV in my room, and and my parents knew is because I was watching Conan before I went to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I also grew up um, a suburb over from where the Second City had a theater. So uh, they had a theater out in the 80s and 90s called Second City Northwest. It was in Rolling Meadows. And um, so we used to go out and see some of their sets. Like as soon as I was able to drive, um, I was also doing a bunch of theater as well. Um, So I had some fun theater friends as well as as, um, uh, like sports friends. And we'd all go out and see the Second City sets every once in a while. And okay. we thought we were the coolest kids on the planet because <laughs> we were watching, like, real Second City people, you know, do late-night sets and swear and do all the crazy, craziest stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought we had found this, like, super special kind of underground thing. Um, and also during that time, like, Comedy Central was the Ha channel and then became Comedy Central... So they just had tons of programming on that I was constantly watching. So Kids in the Hall and uh, the British Who's Line and um, just like every old SNL episode. So mm-hmm. I was a total comedy junkie when mm-hmm. I was a when I was a kid. So um, that, it probably would have been considered a hobby, like my most uh, besides like maybe listening to music outside of like the stuff I was in at school I was just loved comedy stuff mm-hmm. and and um my friends were funny and and I was funny so it it there, there was just a lot of comedy in my life growing up mm-hmm. you know? so you say your mom was a night owl with you you yeah. guys would watch the show together is she the person that introduced you to comedy yeah I mean um I guess so. Mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, and my dad too. Like, I, one of my earlier memories is going to see Airplane the movie uh, huh. in in the theater. So uh-huh. this would have been the eighties. I would have been like five, maybe. So this is like who my dad is taking a five year old to see Airplane because he <laughs> want, he wanted to see it. And he figured I'd I'd laugh at whatever, mm-hmm. um, and not and most of it would go over my head. And um, and I remember him just laughing so hard and and being a kid and being like, wow my dad thinks this is hilarious mm-hmm. and um but my mom yeah i mean my mom was a huge george carlin fan and loved um you know like smart stand-up like that and she was a pretty big snl fan and um so yeah at a young age she introduced like mad magazine to me mm-hmm. and uh and monty python and snl and sctv like she watched all those shows and and um, I was able to watch them at like a really young age. Mm. Like I, kn- I, I was watching Eddie Murphy SNL when I was a kid, and you know I was laughing at Buckwheat and Gumby, not realizing the really sharp satire that drove both those characters. Mm-hmm. I was laughing at them because they're because there's things there for kids to laugh at, you right? Know? Um, but like the the Carvey uh, mm-hmm. Hartman era of SNL with, with, um, you know, John Lovitz and, and, and Jan hooks like, and then Mike Myers came on and then Farley came on. Like, so like that, that kind of seven year run, that was like when I was 12 to 18. So mm-hmm. that, that was such a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and really would stay home to watch SNL, you mm-hmm. know, with sometimes with my parents, you mm-hmm. know, um, uh, and even now, like they tape SNL, and if I'm over at their house, like we'll sit down and watch it just to like 
critique the hell out of it and enjoy it, laugh mm-hmm. it, you know, like, um, I just spent some time with my parents before moving down here and we taped every episode of the president show on, oh, uh, yeah. the, the, on comedy central mm-hmm. and we watched every episode that and <laughs> Amy Sedaris is at home with Amy mm-hmm. Sedaris and that's what my mom and I would do. We'd, we'd fire up those shows and watch them and, and then chat about them and, and just have, you know, cause at 75, she still loves satire <laughs> and like, and is upset. Like she is obsessed with Amy Sedaris. Like she mm-hmm. just, she thinks the Sedaris's are amazing, but particularly Amy, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, my mom's got awesome taste in comedy and still does. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So staying up late and watching comedy shows with my mom and, and definitely made me feel that comedy was cool. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you had, the it, it was you were surrounded by comedy growing up. It was a comedy and, environment and sports and sports. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. So like as much comedy as there was, there was also just as much sports. Like um, my my mom love had like has ESPN on in the background quite a, like <laughs> almost throughout the day. Doesn't mm-hmm. even pay attention. Just has it on. Um, she'll watch anything like any sporting event. She's a sports nut. And yeah, my sister played. Uh, tennis all the way through college. Uh, both my grandfathers played college football. My dad played college football. I played college football. So, like, there was, there was kind of those traditions, to, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, like, what we consume as a family, in terms of our, our, our entertainment, we are definitely a comedy family. So. Did you ever... As a kid growing up, did you ever try to create your own type of comedy yes. after watching it? Yeah. yeah. So what absolutely. what types of things did you try to do? So, uh, well, it was lucky because in fifth and sixth grade, I had awesome teachers who recognized that I wanted, like, I was comedic and they and had tons of energy. So they found, like, extra projects for me to do. So I got to write some sketches and present them at the end of the month as like as like in, in fifth grade so we used to do like mr rogers parodies and like <laughs> cooking show parodies mm-hmm. and like things we'd see like i'm sure we ripped off snl all the time you know and did and did flat out scenes like hans and franz i'm sure we did stuff like that um but it was you know it was part of like our english writing class my our my teacher I uh, just a bunch of cool teachers in fifth and sixth grade that were looking for that gave us that opportunity. We'd also like my me and my buddies. We'd you know we'd videotape and like write songs and do stuff like that um, all the time. Especially in like seventh and eighth grade, we got into Cheech and Chong and we got into um, our my buddy Ryan Schumacher's dad had all these old comedy records. So we just got into like thinking of comedy as something that you could just hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that was really cool for us. So we were doing our own like, you know, ru- routines <laughs> over mm-hmm. cassettes and like trying to get a, you know, impress girls with them and stuff. <laughs> and, like mm-hmm. just really dumb. I'm sure mostly, uh, you know, fart jokes and dumb sex jokes that you know the kids make, but mm-hmm. we were into it. We thought we thought we thought comedy was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think, like even all the way through like high school, getting to do um, like we did, always had a senior variety show. So when we were seniors, me and my buddies were so excited to write sketches for the senior variety show. Like it was like we we were talked about it all year long. Like. Mm-hmm. And when the the show came, I did like five or five or you know or more things, and 
everyone's like, why is Archibald doing all this stuff <laughs> in the Petunia Friday show? But it's like, it's exactly what I wanted to do. I loved, mm-hmm. I just love sketch comedy and I got to, got to write sketch that the whole school would watch. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was so, so exciting, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so did the comedy help you pull in the ladies at uh, the end of the day? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I... I'm a. I've had a string. I always have a, a, or I've had a string of like serious girlfriends my whole life. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've. I think comedy has helped me meet people in my adult life. Mm-hmm. Being funny was always helpful in high school and college for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I always I feel like I've always had cool people in my life because <laughs> um, I usually attract artistic people or mm-hmm. or like I've had. Some amazing, awesome, super, like strong personality women in my life, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's because they know I'm a comedian, and they they're just like, oh, this guy, he's got thick skin, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>. yeah, <laughs> he can handle me, and it's right. like, yeah, pretty much. And it sounds yeah. like too in in high school and middle school and even uh-huh. elementary school, you yeah. were surrounded by a group of friends and yeah. classmates who not only supported your comedy career yeah. but they helped you grow. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we at the time we just saw it as how we hung out, you know. Mm-hmm. Like my my buddy Todd, growing up, who lived down the street from me, he is personally hilarious. So we we the two of us were very funny together, um, growing up. Uh, and then like, yeah, um, I just had a lot of characters in my life. I was lucky. I went to a good. I went to a really good high school and really good middle school, and had teachers that were just really into kids and 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 recognize when people had unique personalities or unique skill sets so mm-hmm. yeah i guess you're right um i guess i never even thought of it as a career or it was going to be a career until you know right after college where i thought when i recognized like oh those people on stage of second city they get paid that's a job mm-hmm. oh well, i'm gonna go try and do that <laughs> right <laughs> yeah then the game changes <laughs> it totally changed it was like <laughs> right because when i broke the news to my parents i mean it very much is was like um they were expecting me to go on to grad school or or um finally have some sort of focus of what I wanted to do because I was mm-hmm. kind of up, up in the air all through college of what I wanted to do and I said I'm going to go to Chicago and study at Second City and I.O. and try and be a comedian and they're like great do that for a year it's your year off like walkabout like, <laughs> like you get to go to Chicago and we'll, you know, do your thing and see how it goes and then after they saw me in a couple shows and, and how quickly things worked out for me at I.O., like within two months of taking my first class at I.O., I, I got to be on a team and start performing there right away. So very unique experience, and mm-hmm. I was very lucky that that happened. Um, but my parents recognized that, like, oh, he must be good at it if this, you know, kind of renowned place is like putting him on stage after he's only been doing it there for two months. So they kind of were like, okay, cool. And, and had a little more patience. And then my, you know, they were only like 30 minutes away. So my dad come down and watch us play every once in a while. And he was seeing us grow as a group. Mm-hmm. And really that initial group that I was with every single one of us were still in comedy somewhere doing something. Um, and, uh, and we were just happy, we were just lucky to be a, to be together and have that opportunity to have basically five years together. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, between my first class and the and those last couple of shows we did together, we we did some awesome impactful stuff for IO. Mm-hmm. And like, 
my parents got that like they didn't belittle it they didn't they didn't say it's only happening at this small independent theater in in chicago like none of you you've been doing for five years and none of you have like broken yet like they didn't care they're just like you guys are really good you're Mm -hmm. funny you're smart you're cool like i get why you do this Mm -hmm. um and 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 that was huge because if if they didn't if they fought me in my early 20s if they hadn't spent the time to see us do cool things or just kind of wrote it off and they were on the fence for a while because i think they wanted me to be in a bit more of secure path or mm-hmm. do something a bit more traditional um and and you know they they kind of knew that, that if they pushed me in that direction i'd probably listen to them mm-hmm. so i'm really lucky that they didn't that they were like cool you yeah. Do it, you know? Yeah. Well, I was actually, it's funny text. I was about to ask you if, you know, cause it sounds like you're so close with your parents from the way you've For been sure. talking to me. Yeah. If when you first told them, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to be a uh-huh. comedian. If they had told you, no, like we are not going to support you. This is going to be a no from us. Yeah. Do you think you would still be where you are today? Well, um, I think I still would have done it, mm-hmm. you know, I've, uh, and so maybe I think maybe, mm-hmm. but Probably not, you know. Um, and they did some smart stuff too. Like they, they, they said, "Now that you're doing this, you know, um, y- you know, we know you need to be hungry. We know that you need to be a starting artist. Artist. So, like, unless you're in real trouble, like you're on your own." Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, at the time, I was like, "Oh." Really? Oh, let me think about this. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no, no. Fuck it. I don't want it. I want to do this. Uh-huh. I want to do this. So, um, I think I still would have like p- kept pushing, and I even and and knowing that they supported me um, uh, in one way, but weren't going to support me financially in my early twenties was was probably one of the re- yeah one of the reasons why I am still in it and was able to like figure out how to make money right because. Mm-hmm. That was the next step. That's why I started teaching and fell in love with teaching and started directing because in producing shows, it's like, oh, that's where money is in this Mm -hmm. is actually, you know, teaching and passing it on um, or producing shows and, you know, and building houses and, and, you know, creating opportunity um, to generate revenue for yourself. And, um, uh, And so, yeah, I think that my relationship with them... And them supporting me in terms of like, yeah, you can do it. But like pulling the plug on me uh, uh, financially was huge. It was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's a hard, I guess I'm not really answering the question. Uh, yeah, I, if it's totally, totally needed them to support me in that. Yeah, mm-hmm. If they hadn't, I, I definitely wouldn't be here. I'd probably be a, a high school football coach or, wow. or a, um, God, I don't even know. Uh, probably maybe real estate or something, you know, mm. <laughs> I don't even know. So when you went yeah. to college, what yeah. did you go to college for? What were you thinking? Communications. Well, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted okay. to, yeah, I thought creative writing. Um, yeah. Like I knew I wanted to do something artistic when I left high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, but my, my parents weren't into it. Uh, you know, and my, my family wasn't into it. So I like, I'd studied poli sci for a year and stopped that. And then I went into a broad, um, you know, uh, just liberal arts <laughs> curriculum for a while and ended up with a degree in communications okay. with, a, with a minor in, 
um, oral interpretation. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, or a focus in study. It's not actually a minor in Illinois, but, uh, yeah, so it, it was, it was, <laughs> um, quite a path. I, I basically took classes. Uh, I took this major cause, um, I couldn't do film and I couldn't do theater because of the football program. They wouldn't mm. let me take either one of those. Um, and basically this degree allowed me to take a bunch of film and theater classes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and directing classes. <laughs> That's how you beat the system. Yeah, I beat the system. So I got to, yeah. Went around. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you said you were in, uh, you were at IO for, long, for. Long time. For. Well, initially five years. Five years. Yeah. Okay. And then um, I got a job at Boom Chicago. Okay. And went to Boom, but like I still consider myself a part of I of IO. It's mm-hmm. I've you know having taught there for so long um, and and have been a part of it through its major growth. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, and you know I've, I've known Sharna for seventeen years, so she's a she's a friend, and and the people who work there are all I'm still just very close with, and and would hap you know could would happily play there and still represent them you know in gigs uh, elsewhere so that's the fun thing about io it's like one of the reasons why i felt like i could leave atlanta is like well i'm always a part of io that doesn't go away mm-hmm. um and i've already done a thousand shows there so i think i've like put in a lifetime of work in the theater already <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's okay for me to do shows someplace else mm-hmm. um but uh yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I was a really special. Was a really, really special place mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. So, in those first five years, yeah. at what point did you get to the level where you felt so comfortable in your abilities that you felt ready to start teaching others? Yeah. So, um, I've, I've I've always been able to articulate the work and and um, and kind of break it down and and i think i'm a natural coach and i'm a and i'm a natural teacher so i'm i feel really good in front of a in front of a of a classroom so i was coaching pretty quickly because that was another way to make money Mm -hmm. and then um uh, you know uh i asked early like and it's kind of audacious to be like i've been here for two years i'm ready to teach at io but i had a good enough handle on harold um by that time and was a good communicator that they let me train, you know, so they, so I got to, I got to shadow. So I was young and brash and, and never considered it like, I'm ready to do this. Mm-hmm. I just was like, I, I can do this. I can teach this. All I got to, you know, I guess I understood the philosophy is like, well, I know it more than the people who are coming here. Mm-hmm. So I can teach them as I can teach them everything I know. <laughs> right. right. And that's kind of always been my philosophy. Like, you know, I can always, you know, and now I have 18, 19 years of, of being in the classroom. And, um, you know, as you can tell, I can just talk and talk and talk and teach and teach and teach. And, mm-hmm. um, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you, so did it get to, I mean, cause I know you're still a performer. You're still performing. Obviously. Yeah. 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 Uh, but do you like the teaching part more than the performing part? Would you say their, their rewards are totally different. You know, we've got, uh, instant gratification from performing, which is necessary for me and something that I, enjoy and have love having the opportunity to have a couple times a week. Mm -hmm. Um, but teaching is, I, 
probably enjoy the practice of teaching a bit more, even though it can, it can be difficult, definitely can have like emotional challenges to it or just, um, uh, personality challenges to it. Mm -hmm. But overall, uh, I love working with intelligent people who are creative and brave enough to come in and, and, and want to learn how to improvise. Mm -hmm. And particularly I love working with people who've been improvising for a while and, Mm -hmm. and have, you know, I think that's where I'm probably my best uh, is getting people into like the uh, the next level, getting people to a level of consistency that they can feel like they've mastered the work and mm-hmm. um, can walk on stage with pretty much anyone in in any situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm not as nurturing as an intro teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm not as um, I don't. Even though I appreciate the magic of improv and the magic of discovering the magic of improv, like I understand that's an important process and something students deserve, but I'm not as interesting as manufacturing that magic in the classroom and and or the or the nurturing elements to to that some beginning students might need. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely like students who are. Um, have understand the process of learning who have who have taken responsibility for their own growth for a certain a certain amount of time and are ready to like be challenged mm-hmm. so you know um, and that's one of the things that was so appealing to coming down here is we've you know uh, village has inc- some really amazing teachers and mm-hmm. I was able to see um folks in the classroom and, and, and running rehearsals and, and that was exciting and knowing that like Chris Klebo's here to teach our level one classes he's one of the best intro teachers I've ever I've ever worked with and mm-hmm. and knowing that like oh there I, I don't have to teach level one I can help design the curriculum and 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 um, have an interest in like making sure our students are having an awesome experience, but you know there there is that nurturing awesome person yeah, <laughs> in, right. in, in, our, in our in that classroom in the right in the right place, mm. uh, and then to have a rest you know a, the rest of the faculty kind of round that out and that have um, some just really awesome unique strengths here you mm-hmm. know so I'm excited to see what this program ends up. Mm-hmm. Um, where the program ends up in a couple of years, I think. Um, I think we are building a pretty awesome product for for people who want to really get good at this work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, at least for me, I can see the growth that this theater is is doing. Cool. And it's it's cool to see. It's cool I to see it. it getting bigger, and the name, the brand is growing. More yeah. people are coming. Yeah. I, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm really here for. St- uh, for a lot of different reasons, but particularly for students, you know, I mean, um, I see this as an opportunity for folks to not have to travel to, to New York or Chicago or LA to get, um, a conservatory level education and improvisation. Mm -hmm. Like we are trying to build, you know, by the end of the year, we'll be up fully up and running, but, our goal is to, you know, if you're from Florida or Georgia or from Texas and, or wherever from, you know, and you're thinking like, maybe I should uh, move up to Chicago. It's like, no, we're a little closer. We're a little mm-hmm. cheaper. Our program is, 
you know, program is going to be eight months instead of over a year, like with a ton, you know, a ton more options. So like we're hoping that word of mouth catches on mm-hmm. and, and people know that like, um, that the curriculum is, is, you know, based in the classics and the curriculum has a really, uh, clear modern application of those classics and the, you know, and, and if you want to crash course and, and Chicago style improvisation, you can get, you know, you can really get that here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and hopefully we stop referring to it as like Chicago style. And we just know that Atlanta has, has, um, its own style of comedy, mm-hmm. you know. So talk a little bit about the difference between a improv class or improv classes mm-hmm. and a improv conservatory program. Sure. So um, the conservatory program uh, t- typically is something that you audition to get into mm-hmm. and and is the mindset to teach you a very specific focus in an, in an art. So, um, you know, at Second City, they are teaching the the a very specific process to build a comedic review so mm-hmm. that's that's what their conservatory is um since we're since we're a series a training center a series of classes we're going to have a four level improv program we're gonna have we are building a four level sketch program um all of these classes have grad shows and the level four for each of these programs has eight grad shows or eight shows so you get a lot of stage time within within both these programs. Um, once you're through the four level improv program, you're gonna we're gonna have um, a whole catalog, a rotating catalog of other classes you can take: master classes or classes focused on Harold, classes focused on you know short form games, classes focused on maybe stage combat or acting and improv, um, and those are gonna rotate. So you know you go through our. Uh, Four, you know, we have these uh, four levels of improv, and then four levels of sketch, and then handful of other classes. So we're not calling it a conservatory because it doesn't have that singular focus. We're not just teaching like how to improvise. We're not just teaching how to do short form. We're not just teaching how to um, you know do sketch comedy. We're teaching all of those things. Mm-hmm. And um, so you know, this is we're trying to you know put the put the brand out there that this is a, a comedy training center mm-hmm. that um it, with you know professional or conservatory you know level curriculum mm-hmm. so it's it's we'll have our intro classes but really this is in the mindset to you want to be a professional comedian you want to make you want to you want to have a skill set as an improviser or as a sketch writer to to make money uh in in this in this field then you know, those are our goals for our students to, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, our continuation of your education. Once, you know, if you audition and get into our company, then, then, um, you continue to have the opportunity to grow and and cultivate your talent too. Mm -hmm. So we're certainly taking a training center's approach to, um, in our vision right now, it's a mm-hmm. huge aspect of, of what we were, we want to be mm-hmm. at village, um, is a, is an opportunity to, to grow and to focus on the artist and have the, the building serve the artist. Um, and that's really important because, um, that sets us apart, you know, mm-hmm. from other business model, other comedy clubs in, in, in Atlanta where mm-hmm. the artist is more serving the business. Mm-hmm. So, so, 
you know, we're, it's an opportunity for people to experiment and people to grow people to, uh, to, to try on different styles. And I think you'll see that reflected in our programming too. We'll have more stand up shows. We'll have more variety shows. We'll have maybe even a straight play or two, um, really expanding what, what we offer our audience as mm-hmm. well as, you know, killer improv, which is always our goal. Right, right. That's very yeah. cool. It gives uh, students not just the opportunity to study just improv, yep. but it's so many different options. Yeah. And I like how you were saying how it, some of the classes are going to rotate yeah. out. So that yeah. it, that's even more options that yeah. you have the ability to All teach. year long. All year yeah. long, yeah. right. So and I think that's so no, cool. Thanks, Max. I, pre- I appreciate that. And yeah, so we, we, we're, we're happy with, with that. And it all stems from improv. That's why we want people to start in our four-level improv course. But that's the philosophy. Like, all of these other art forms are connected or, um, you know, r- related, connected, or derivative of, of some of these il- improv skill sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're trying to teach comedy, you know. There's, there's a lot more. There's... There's things to learn about clowning that will help you be a better comedian. Mm-hmm. There's things to, to learn about dramatic uh, craft that will help you be a better comedian, um, and or fiction writing or or you know. So we do we want to keep that mindset, um, uh, you know, at my, that mindset and our approach to what we offer our students. Mm-hmm. So then, once you take our four classes, then you can pick and choose what you where you want to go mm-hmm. and it takes away the idea that hey after this seven level path blank happens because that's unfair to the student and that's unfair to the institution and that's almost how every single improv institution is designed that mm-hmm. after you do blank then something should happen for the students and that's not always the case mm-hmm. it and and you can have you know, you know i see it all the time in chicago people graduating from you know, thousands of people graduating from Second City's program every year, only a dozen getting a job, uh, uh, you know, every 18 months and or half dozen. Not many people get get picked up. They train so many more people. So most of the people who go through the Second City Conservatory consider themselves failures or that mm-hmm. they failed in their efforts to go through that program to end up working there. And I want to I, I want to run a training center that, that my students never feel like they've failed. Like... So I needed to eliminate that goal and mm-hmm. say, like, you get through these four levels, then it's up to you. You can pick and choose your path as long and, – and, and I want company members to do that too. Mm-hmm. You know, take at least a class a year um, to, so we see ourselves for what we are ever-evolving artists that need mm-hmm. to challenge ourselves where we become stale and boring, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, so – I'm glad you think it's cool. I hope other people think it's cool yeah. too. <laughs> well, it's yeah. so it's so yeah. unique that that's what I like about it. Thanks. And I, I definitely I agree with you 100. percent Where yeah. you reach the end of the improv, like you were saying, because yeah. I can definitely see that where you know you work so hard and and you believe in yourself so much, and yeah. then you you hit the end, and yeah. then they're like, "Sorry," and then you do you you're like, "Well, I failed. I failed. It, I put my time in, and I didn't get good enough, or they right. didn't like me, or I didn't meet the right per- or whatever the." Thing is in that person's head but you still feel like you failed mm-hmm. and and instead it's like cool you get through the four level program now you can audition for you know anything at village and you can take any of these other classes right to keep you busy right and and i know for a fact like some not everyone is ready 
for a, the stage after a four levels of improv. Mm-hmm. And some people were ready before they even started the program, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a student-by-student student type of situation. Um, and that's cool. Like, we want opportunities for all skill sets. And, mm-hmm. and just because you're not ready for it after four classes doesn't mean after, like, a, a, a workshop or a couple of fo- uh, cl- classes focusing on acting or or character development, all of a sudden you, you can see a, a click. You can see a student grow really fast from just a connection with a single teacher or a simple concept or finally the brain has had enough opportunity to have a relationship with the work and mm-hmm. some time has gone by and everything's starting to come together. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, I'm hoping that this will this will work out for folks. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and I think too, it it gives students the opportunity to find if improv is not their thing, but they want yeah. to do comedy, yeah. then they get involved in sketch. Yeah. Like, oh, I've been a writer this whole I've time. Been a That's writer. what I'm it a is. Writer, yeah. Or or like you or, were saying, or I'm, like, I'm a director. I right, want to direct right, directing or, yeah. or maybe straight acting, yeah, like in exactly. a play, like you were yeah. talking about, or with clowning. Yeah. Oh, you know, I like this style yeah. of comedy. Oh, hosting, emceeing, that's my thing. Right, Great. exactly. I just like being, or which, like stand up. I just like being in front of an audience and like, and we. We want to give people the opportunity to make those discoveries. Right, exactly. Yeah. And by offering those classes, they do have that opportunity. So that's why that model, that's a good one. I Thanks, approve. Man. Thanks, man. I approve. Awesome. Um, so, so now, look, now that you got my approval, no, it's you can gangbusters. It's going to work bang- <laughs> gangbusters, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that that's very, very cool. Thanks, um, man. So to go back and to, to talk mm-hmm. about just you and, yeah. and your improv career. So you, you were at IO, you went to Boom, yeah. and then eventually you got to Second City. I did. I So right before I got to Boom, I got on Second City's radar. So I just happened to have... Like peaked, so this peaked at a, at, uh, at this plateau at a, at around right around twenty six. So um, I got like offered a job at Comedy Sports. I got a whole, I got some new things at IO. Um, Second City was starting to, to feel me out, and then I got Boom. So I went to Boom because I had been dreaming about Boom Chicago, and and I was friends with Jordan who had been over there before. Um, uh, the Jordan Peele. Uh, uh, oh. uh, <laughs> and so I knew it was an amazing opportunity, and I had some other friends over there too who'd come back, and and I knew that like personality wise, like like oh I I belong with that company, and I'm I'm right about that. I'm very much a a, a, a boomer, um, and so they hired me. I went over for a year. Uh, had one of the best times of my life and then out of the blue second city called me and said we've got a spot for you on our red co touring company and it just so happened to have my like two absolute best friends on it and then the other three people on it were people that i knew and loved so it was basically a, a second city touring company that had it was all friends and that was a really really rare thing and not only all all friends but it was like kind of being sold as like hey you might be the next generation like you like like if you come over and it works well you know this this all could you know th- this could be a core cast moving forward or some mm-hmm. some key, key elements of core cast you know and not knowing that they say those things all the time you know at that time um i thought like oh that's special i mm-hmm. should consider this and you know i left and and boom was like you're you're doing why <laughs> you're killing it here mm-hmm. you could do this for three years and then like move to la like they were they were really 
surprised. And I was like, no, Second City's calling. This, this, this is the Second City. The Second City I've been seeing since I was 13. Been sneaking off to, you know, on Friday nights to see sets, or Saturday nights to see sets since I was 16 and could drive out there. Like, I'm not going to turn down this opportunity. I'm not, I'm not having to audition. They're calling me. I feel mm-hmm. obligated to, to take the job. Mm-hmm. And, and not obligated. I wanted to take the job very badly. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so I took it. Um, and came home and toured for a year and then got Second City Vegas and did that for two years. And then um, during that time at Second City, I got to learn all about like um, so many important aspects of producing comedy and producing comedy at a very high level. Like Second City does an incredible job. Um, at what they do and it's they don't make a lot of people happy that work for them and they they can't i mean it's it's a it's a kind of a cutthroat um place mm-hmm. and they do a good job of of um i did and, and but especially now a much better job in, in in the last you know five six seven years of of being real straightforward with their actors but for a long time it was it, it was it was a um you know, I just learned a lot of like how how many how many how selfish actors are, right? Mm-hmm. How how there's such an important relationship between actor and producer, and actor and director, and actor producer and director, and like and and but also at that time as a comedian, I didn't consider directing or pr- producing as a career because I was just very focused on like how can I get on SNL or how can I get on daily show mm-hmm. and um, and had the opportunity when I was in in Vegas to uh, submit you know work and 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 some tapes and and go through that audition process which was thrilling um, so I got caught up a little bit in that my my su- my summer of uh, uh, my second summer in Vegas and was trying to get second city to help me um get more information from snl because they were i was sending them tapes and they would call me every once in a while and and kind of check in with me and then ask me for for more material and i'd send them material and the thing was this dance and this was pre-showcase pre-anything this this was their old process Mm -hmm. um this is how long ago this is (laughs) (laughs) This, this 2007 um and uh and and it was just wanting to and 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 for some reason second city hadn't heard that um uh that snl was was reaching out to me because my producer at at second city vegas didn't tell chicago for whatever reason and so i'm trying to get i'm trying to get them to communicate and they think i'm now busting their balls to try and get on main stage which every actor is constantly trying to do to Mm -hmm. to second city producers and this whole long summer thing goes and snl finally gets back to me um, and it's like, hey, we think that you're really funny and you got the chops and um, we're really trying to find someone to play Barack and we're really trying to, f- to find a, a, a woman to replace Amy. So that's what our focus is focused on. And we'll we'll be in touch if we're ever looking for a big funny guy again. And like uh, I was just like, OK. Uh, and I took that confidence into second city and was like cool so you're gonna put me on the main main stage now and they're like uh yeah and then 
three weeks later they cast the main stage and and I wasn't on it so I I went back to Boom and at the time oh Boom my had, god uh, Boom had yeah this is this is my fun late twenties drama with Second City <laughs> uh, uh, so so <laughs> so I went to Boom because Seth was from Boom and mm-hmm. uh, and I felt like well maybe if I can get I can bounce from boom and it would be good for boom to have someone like hired directly from their stage uh mm-hmm. to snl and we're trying to work that angle and then uh immediately it was like um snl it was like so so it was writer strike and then snl had this like major budget cut cut major budget cuts because it wasn't making the same amount of money mm-hmm. so we got into the situation where like they the, the next people they hired all came from New York for like two years. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, this is my ship passing in the night. And, uh, so I did another year boom and then moved back to second city and kicked around there for a long, long time and had a blast, um, doing tour shows and theatrical shows and, and shows for them in the up comedy club and understudying the stages and, um, doing cruise ships and, and then I started directing, uh, cause I was the best thing is when I got back from boom the second time, second city hired me to, uh, teach in their conservatory. And at the time it was really exciting. That was one of the youngest conservatory teachers hired. And, um, I took it super seriously. And, and so I got to, I got to teach at that level for 12 years. Um, and, uh, which was super rewarding. And that led to me directing and that was even more rewarding. And then that kind of led to me thinking about like, um, doing this at a bigger level. So, you know, now I'm here and I've got 15 active shows and, you know, a few more in production. And that, um, is really, really fun Mm -hmm. because it is definitely a culmination of like the last 15 years of professional comedy. Now I, I get to, put all that to work here and so far it's been um you know it's been going well so, mm-hmm. so we talked a little bit ago about how, mm-hmm. how you were saying you don't want students to feel like failures at the right end. yeah um was there any point for you when snl is not working daily sure. show's not working yeah. second city's not working where you felt like a failure oh always yeah yeah i mean and it still it still goes like you like anyone who has goals and doesn't achieve goals you feel like a failure and some of these goals are kind of one percentish like it is it is really bold to set snl as a goal as a comedian mm-hmm. um but it's possible right mm-hmm. so uh, and as I said, like I was much brasher in my twenties and a lot more, a, a lot bolder in my desires, right? Th- that's something I wanted. I think going through that process with them that first time was uplifting, right? Even though like just to hear at the end of the summer, like we think you got the chops where we'll be in touch. And then they, you know, they held to their word like that. That was really a positive and getting to, you know, uh, then auditioned for them later in like 2011, 2012, maybe 2013 was the last time I auditioned for them at IO and, and then getting feedback from them and them getting to see me grow and be a different type of comedian mm-hmm. at 35 or 36. And I was at, at 20, at 27, 28. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that was really cool to go through that process. So I, 
so those opportunities, I never felt like I failed at. I always felt like I got the opportunity, so that's the success. Mm. Um, I've seen good friends, you know, get the job, and I've seen people that um, I didn't expect to get the job get the job, and then like do really, really well with the job. You know, you just it's a it's a it's a sneaky thing. Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to be good at SNL? Like, I think I had Alex Moffat in in class a couple times, and and thought the kid was amazing and and second city thought he was fine you know but didn't really pop for them mm-hmm. and lauren solemn and and um two summers later is like on on snl and he kind of came out of nowhere like mm-hmm. no one really knows where alex Moffa came like, like came, came from, from your class yeah he That's... came from came from io he came right. from second city he was under the radar and um and at, in terms of the big picture, what's happening in Chicago? Mm-hmm. So, like when he gets pulled and hired, all of Chicago's like, "Wait, that guy? What? But he didn't do the thing yet. He <laughs> wasn't on the main stage. Like what? The? And it's like, no. Anyone who taught him knew that the dude was gold mm-hmm. <laughs> as a as a on camera sketch comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you see it like he's caught stride this year. He's doing mm-hmm. stuff like I mean, he's doing some really great stuff. Like, um, and it's awesome to it's really cool to see. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, Luke, who just got hired, um, yeah, he's a part of a trio in Chicago called the the Newport Hounds, and the other two dudes in the group are so much funnier than Luke. And Luke's hilarious; like Luke's mm-hmm. a great comedian, awesome uh, musician, great songwriter, and very funny dude. But uh, Tom Fell and Matt Lusk, who are in that group with him, they're both like could do comedy laps around him. They're so much funnier. Mm-hmm. So like you, you would expect like one of that. And they were both were in the running for SNL too. But when they pick Luke and they pick Luke because he's got a particular look and he's mm-hmm. incredibly talented as a musician and they, and he's got a really unique kind of weird sense of humor. So like he was the right fit this time. And again, people in Chicago are like, but Lusk is the fun, was the is the funnier one and felt the good looking one who's not like and the and it's like there's no rhyme or reason mm-hmm. so like you can't get upset that people that you didn't get that opportunity it's more or less like cool I, I, I got a shot to, to to show them what I got mm-hmm. they they went they always make good choices I mean there isn't anyone that's been hired to SNL recently where you're like what the fuck are they doing it's right. like everyone's fucking awesome who they hire um, and you know like like Chris Red, we knew it, five years ago he was going to be a major star like Chris Red has been hustling in Chicago and has been one of the funniest people in Chicago mm-hmm. so the fact that he's doing so well and disjointed and then stand up and on SNL it's like there isn't a single person that's known him that's surprised we're all like yeah we all collectively called this. Yeah. Like we knew Chris was going to make it because he's mm-hmm. truly a, a, a limitless type of like Will Ferrell type of comedian. Just he can just wow. he's just going to be able. To, you'll see. He's going to go and go and go and go. He's pretty limitless. Um, but yeah, like it's a tough business because all those guys that I just mentioned are um, real people. You mm-hmm. know, I've had them in classrooms and and I've seen them fail on improv shows and like also have tons of success doing like bits or you know having a team do well or you know or just be at the building every day and hustling producers and 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 playing it right like Mm -hmm. but they're real people and it's not that big a gap to go from a student to being in a in a moderately successful improv show to like getting hired to snl It, it 
it can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so more of the frustrating things in my life are I didn't get the commercial. I didn't get the, I wanted that bit part in this little thing. Um, oh, I haven't auditioned for any any you know and it movies as regular as I want like that's where the frustrations are but every actor goes through those because every single day of being an actor being a writer being a comedian you face failure right there's more there's more no to this business than yes mm-hmm. yeah. so how long do you think it, it's going to be how many years until when SNL producers are coming to Atlanta to look at talent cool um, not that long you know, I mean, it, it would help Atlanta for, um, you know, someone from one of our theaters to, to even get on a cable show. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, something, let's see, 10 years is, is probably too long. Five years is probably asking <laughs> asking too much so somewhere between five and ten years probably realistic mm-hmm. um that all depends and all depends if people come right i mean we there's talent there's definitely talent in atlanta that's good enough to be on snl mm-hmm. and there's talent here at village and there's talent at dads i'm sure there's talent highwire like there's talented people there's you know there there are professional level comedians that work at all at all of these theaters mm-hmm. um but what SNL would need would be like dozens, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it all depends on do we get th- a couple of wave, generations, a couple of waves of um, really dedicated people who are looking to be professional to come through here, not just the dozens. Like we need a hundred, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that creates an environment that creates a buzz that would get their attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have a similar product to what IO offers and IO is his best resource right now mm-hmm. or their, I shouldn't just say Lauren, their, their best resource right now. Um, and what we're doing here at village isn't that different. We just don't have as much, um, we're just not overflowing with as much, ready talent but we're that's what we're shooting for yeah not yet yeah but we'll get there oh yeah Yeah, we'll get there i mean from the way you've described it to me and the way that your vision for where it's gonna go sure it's it's gonna be successful thanks man i can feel that just by and your passion like as you talk about it you seem so passionate about it and so excited for it for sure that to have you need a leader like that because if if the leader is not 100% 100% confident or they're just here to half-ass it, yeah. it's not going to get done. It won't be successful. But well, you thanks, seem, man. You seem ready. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I feel ready. Uh-huh. Thank you. I'm glad that it shows because I would hate for you to be like, yeah, well, once you get your shit together, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to pull some of the stuff off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. So, so now as, as uh, the interview wraps up a little bit, I sure. do have one last question for you. Yeah. I'm going to ask this of all my guests. Sure. And to me, this is actually uh, the most important question of the interview, okay. I, I think. Okay. Um, and so that question is, um, if there was someone who eventually wants to one day be in your shoes and you were to give them one piece of advice, what piece of advice would that be? <sighs> Great. Um <laughs> uh, 
that's a really tough question to answer. What a great question, Max. Okay, so I guess uh, move, move to it, go to it. Like that. I mean, I, that's the only thing that I can say that set myself apart from um, other people that I was competing with. Mm-hmm. Is I was willing to move. I was willing to move to Amsterdam. I was willing to move to Vegas. I was willing to be on the road. I was on the road for years and years and years. So I was willing to to be away from home. And um, in the same mindset, I saw this opportunity and um, you know packed up all my shit and moved down here because uh, I believe in that. I think there's something American about it. I think there's um, something um, that American artists need to need to do. It's like you got you got to create your own show and make yourself the star of it, right? Mm-hmm. You got you got to go and move to where there's opportunity, and and I knew that I could live in Chicago for the next thirty years of my life and be someone who can help that system function, right? Mm-hmm. I could I could be a a, a really um, well received cog in the system of IO and, and, and second city and be satisfied in that. But I saw way more fun and way more opportunity and an opportunity to have a bigger impact here, um, for a lot more people. So like that question of like, when, when does us come down here and, and look at our talent? Like that's, that is, that is a question I ask myself. That is mm-hmm. something that is on my mind. Like, how do we make that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, I, the, it's already happened in Chicago. It's way more fun to spend the next, you know, 10 years of my life trying to make that happen here mm-hmm. than, than being a part of a system where it already, where it already happens. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'm, so move, go to it, go to like manifest your destiny, go to, go to where there's opportunity. Um, if that's LA or New York or Chicago or Austin or St. Louis or Seattle or, or Atlanta, like get, get to it, you know? Um, and yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess that's it. Move that's to it. it. Move to it. All right. Yeah. That's perfect. So Ryan, if people want to learn more either about you or definitely learn more about the village theater and their classes, yeah. uh, how can they find that out? Great. Uh, village comedy. Uh, dot com. We have all of our classes listed. We got uh, new sessions starting in April, and um, the full program uh, improv program will be up uh, by the end of October, and the full sketch program up by the end of October. And starting in 2019, we'll have a full rollout of um, additional classes because we're looking to expand and and have more classroom space as well too so yeah so villagecomedy.com you can uh, find out all about classes right there very cool well thank you again ryan for being on my show max you're the uh, best i'll man. never i'll never forget your name now i That's, feel like i can't i i can't <laughs> wait to to test you on that i i know we weeks from now when we run into each other what's my name yeah uh, 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 and yeah, then you'll we'll have figure. to call 911 again because <laughs> i have a clear stroking problem <laughs> Uh, so yeah a big thank you for Ryan and his Mm -hmm. dog Boomer for being here today Um, thank you for listening remember you can find us at our website at www.talkinglatenight.com you can find us on Facebook at Talking Late Night and you can also find us on iTunes where you can rate and leave us a review so thanks again to Ryan Uh, thanks again to his dog Boomer for being here thank you for listening and we'll see you next time (laughs) 